0: Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the
1: all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay
1: here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today.
1: Welcome to mini episode number 163. Uh, We're going to talk about the topic of loneliness with my uh, return guest, uh, PhD, clinical psychologist uh, Guy Winch. Um, Before we get to that interview, I just wanted to read a couple of uh, surveys um, on the topic of of loneliness. this is an excerpt from the shame and secret survey filled out by uh, a woman uh, who calls herself Chris, and um, she's in her 20s, and what, if anything, do you wish for? I wish I didn't spend every day inside avoiding people, avoiding life. I wish I could make things and do things and talk to people. Instead, I'd just wait for my debt to explode, for my landlord to kick me out, for my mom to reject me. I wait for that injury that makes not having insurance a problem and for the explosion that will happen Once others discover my withdrawal from life, I wish I could just be a normal person and go about my day running errands, exercising, having friends, working, finishing school, making some art, having fun, having some fun. Instead, I'm just an inert zombie waiting for time to pass, trying desperately to make it fly by faster by engaging in perpetual distraction and completely ignoring my health. Well, I'm sending you uh, you a hug, Chris. I think there's a lot of people that, uh, and she also um, isolates and binges on food and and porn. And um, just want to remind you that you are you are not alone. A lot of people battle battle those things, and uh, isolation is uh, super common with those of us who are in pain. Um, this is from the "Shouldn't Feel This Way" survey, and this was filled out by. Um, a woman who calls herself Anastasia. She is um, in her 20s, and she writes, I'm supposed to feel free living on my own and not with my emotionally incestuous and emotionally abusive borderline mother, but I don't. I feel terrified, petrified in my loneliness, abandoned like I could die right here in my big empty apartment, and nobody would even know until the neighbors started complaining about the smell. I'm supposed to feel thankful that for all my... Uh, a loneliness, I at least have one best friend who knows all of my struggles and can sympathize since she's been through similar pain, but I just feel like the worst person in the world when I tell her how I feel because I feel like I'm dragging her down with me, even when she insists that she wants to be there for me. I can only hate myself that much more for being this great big black hole sucking the life, energy, and happiness out of everyone and everything around me, and then I feel like a self-centered fuck for thinking that I could make that much of an impression or a dent in someone else's life when really I'm just a pathetic and waste of space wow you have out hated yourself you have out hated my hatred of myself and the hatred of many 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 people who have filled these surveys out you to me that is so clearly sound to me sounds like the residual effects of having uh an untreated mother um who I'm sure manipulated and browbeat you and, um, gaslighted you. And it's going to take some time to undo that stuff and let your friend love you. Believe your friend, that your friend wants to be there for you. You know, sending you a hug. Um, this is from the struggle in a sentence survey and this is filled out by a guy who calls himself southwest singapore and um there's a new question i added to this survey which says give us a a snapshot moment from your life that highlights one of your issues or struggles and uh, this isn't really a snapshot that he gave but i i thought it was worth reading he says i feel weak insignificant like a failure and angry at the same time whenever i log on to facebook but i can't stop I cannot tell you how many people have an addictive, abusive relationship with Facebook. And I know a lot of people who have started giving it up. And I encourage you, you don't have to give it up forever, but take a break from it and see see how that feels. Because um, so many people have such a view it through the lens of social competitiveness. And um, I don't know, my two cents. Um, and then I want to read this last one before we get to the uh, section with Guy. And this was from the Shouldn't Feel This Way survey filled out by um, a woman who calls herself AS, and she's 26. She writes, I'm supposed to feel grateful to have a job, but I don't. I feel resentful and depressed about having to spend 40 hours a week bored, hurting my wrists and eyes through computer usage so that I can afford to come home to my apartment and do nothing because I'm emotionally drained from working 40 hours at a job I don't like. I'm supposed to feel happy or relieved to be away from my emotionally abusive ex, but I only do sometimes. Other times I feel sad, lonely. Wish I could have been what he wanted. Wish he didn't look down on me. Wish he still loved and respected me. I'm supposed to feel good about being single and, quote, free, but I feel lonely and sexually frustrated and worry that nobody will ever truly love me without my having to pretend I'm someone else. You know, the thing that leapt out at me when I read that was about your, your emotionally abusive ex, Understand when you're with somebody who is emotionally abusive, the game they get you to play is to constantly try to be somebody that you're not. That's how they derive their power from. You could never. See, he, guys like him are afraid of emotional intimacy. And and to avoid having to look at that in themselves, they project their anger and they're disliking themselves onto other people, and they have you running laps around them, tap dancing, trying to be everything they can be, so they don't have to look at themselves. It's a drug. It's a drug to to the person who's being manipulated and to the person who's doing the abusing. So um, find some friends that you can get honest with, and um, that's Guy Winch is going to talk about relationship muscles in this, and that would be a good place to. Uh, Put on your, uh, your relationship uh, training wheels and start creating some healthy templates for, for relationships or go fuck yourself. Either one. I'll leave it up to you. Let's catch up with Guy Winch. Uh, we've talked previously about rumination, uh, about rejection. Uh, what's another large issue that people deal with that you have some tips for?
2: So another big one um, is loneliness. Um, And loneliness, by definition, is a subjective experience. It's not about the quantity of friends you have. It's about whether you feel a certain amount of emotional or social disconnection. And people can be married but very, very lonely, and people can seemingly have a lot of friends but feel very, very lonely. It's entirely subjective. The problem with loneliness is twofold. Uh, number one, it really impacts us psychologically and behaviorally. And number two, it has a whopping impact on our physical health. Um, they did one study, for example, in which they looked at college freshmen, incoming freshmen, and they were giving them flu shots. And as part of the questionnaires they give out, they were asking them, do you feel lonely, which a lot of times college freshmen do. But then they saw that the college freshmen who claimed they were lonely had much poorer responses to the flu shot than the non-lonely college freshman because one of the things loneliness does is it depresses our immune system. Really? literally. Um, it depresses our immune system. It puts us at risk for depression in, in later life for Alzheimer's di- uh, disease, for a more rapid progression of Alzheimer's disease, for cardiovascular disease. And when scientists looked at, well, all these health risks, what they found was when you look at them, it actually cost us years of our lives and longevity. Lonely people live less long than uh, non-lonely people with the same health uh, profile, number one, and Number two, they concluded that chronic loneliness poses as large a risk to our long term health and longevity as does cigarette smoking. Wow. As much as cigarette smoking and cigarette packs come with warnings from the Surgeon General, loneliness does not. What a great point. So, what are
1: some, some tips and tools for people who are experiencing loneliness and they don't know how to get out of it?
2: Well, first of all, it's indeed very difficult to get out of it. There's a certain trap that loneliness presents because when you're uh, emotionally withdrawn or when you're socially withdrawn, then you start to not use certain skill sets you're not using your social skills if you're socially withdrawn or isolated you're not using your empathy and sympathy and supportive listening skills if you're you know in a marriage but you're emotionally disconnected and those skills atrophy with time uh, when we don't use them Um, and the other thing that happens is that lonely people tend to evaluate their friends and their friendships as less desirable than they actually are how they would have evaluated them if they were not lonely. So there's a big self-fulfilling prophecy that happens with lonely people. They are convinced that people don't want them, that they won't be desired, that they won't be wanted. And so they approach people with a certain amount of suspicion, with a certain amount of distance, with a certain kind of vibe that actually pushes people away. And then it self-reinforces. You know, I'm not going to go to that party because I won't know anyone there, so I won't go. Or if I do go, no one will want to talk to me. So I want to park myself right here by the hummus and the vegetable dip and scowl. And sure enough, no one's talking to me. <laughs> That's so true. It's so
1: true. And I I have acquaintances, um, and I suppose friends like that, who are just, you can see them caught in this cycle. and And you can tell them they're great, personable people. You know, you can meet them for coffee. And, you know, sometimes it'll shake them out of it a little bit, but... It seems like ultimately they need to take charge of it, like they can't be caretaken and pulled out of it. They need to make the decision to say, I'm in a cycle, I need some new some new habits, I need a new change in my consciousness, even if it feels phony at first. Um, almost like going to the gym of saying, I don't want to go to the gym, but I'm told this is good for me, so I'm just going to do it until my body feels more invigorated.
2: You're, you're absolutely right. It is a little bit of fake it till you make it at first. And the thing is that it's very, very difficult because you really are convinced, you know, and number one. And number two, you really don't see that you're pushing people away. You do not see it. I, I did this one radio show uh, where... People were calling in, were writing on the Facebook page of the show, and they were giving me those questions during the show. And one person actually, when we were talking about loneliness, and one person actually, they, were, they read from the Facebook page, I have trouble meeting new people because I'm just in no kind of circumstance in which I can meet or can, or can communicate with people who feel like me. When you're on the Facebook page of the show with a hundred other people who feel like you. <laughs> But he couldn't see it. He could not see it because he was like, no, there's no one who feels like me. Just, It's Facebook. Your name is on there. So is the name of everyone else. You can friend them right now. But it's just the blindness. You know, it's just so hard to see. Is it because we're always searching for
1: an identity for ourselves and they've latched onto that and so that they're looking for
2: things to reinforce the identity that they've given themselves? In part. But it's also because you feel so emotionally raw. So to put yourself in a situation where you might actually try and friend someone and they'll say no, you know, you become very risk averse and very rejection averse and the best way to protect yourself from rejection is to not put yourself in that situation which is what you have to do if you're going to come out of the loneliness invulnerability so frightening so frightening number one and number two you know if if you have the flu and you're in bed for a week and you get out of bed for the first time your legs are going to be wobbly and you're like ah my muscles are weak i have to strengthen them it'll be very clear to you yeah they're weak i didn't use them but if you haven't dated for three years and you go on a date, those muscles are going to be weak too. You're going to be rusty, probably not going to go that well. But when it doesn't go well, you're not going to conclude, boy, my dating skills are rusty. I need to keep doing this in practice. You're going to conclude, see, I am undesirable. And that's wrong. It's your skill set. Yeah, that makes total sense. So uh any other tips for how to... uh deal with loneliness so yes yeah, so the first thing is you really have to accept that you are doing things that are not helping, and you have to have an open mind about it. It's it's the most difficult thing because you really feel in such pain that you feel like, no, I mean, now I'm to blame as well. You're not to blame. This is what happens when we're lonely. This is a psychological response uh, our brains and our minds, you know, uh, have to loneliness. So you're not to blame per se, but yes, you are doing something that you need to do differently. If you're going to call the friend who, who hasn't reached out to you for a month, don't call and say, you know, I haven't spoken to you in a month call and say hey let's have coffee now it might be really difficult to put on the smile in, in in your tone of voice and say hey let's have coffee when you're sitting there annoyed like hey you haven't called me for a month why do i always have to call you etc etc but that's the fake it till you make it put on the smile say hey let's have coffee and they'll be much more likely to do it and know that you're just strengthening your emotional legs you and i call it the relationship muscles you need to strengthen yeah. the relationship muscles what are some other tips? So another thing about loneliness, and this is one of the, you know, the, a lot of bad things about loneliness. I, I don't mean to scare people, but I want them to understand that it's really dire, that you need to take action. Don't just succumb to it. But it's contagious, it turns out. When we look at social networks and you track social uh, people over time in social networks, lonely people get pushed to the periphery of those networks and the people closest to them get pushed out as well. Loneliness is a stigma, and that's why when you're coming across negatively, you're stigmatizing yourself in that way. You are coming across as too needy or too suspicious. You're labeling yourself as, you know, the stakes are too high, and you're usually doing that in a casual situation where the stakes shouldn't be that high. That's why it's important to fake the smile. You know, fake the hello. You know, I said to people, you know, you, how many friends do you have on Facebook? Oh, 200, and none of them will have coffee with you? How many people are in your address book or in your email address book? It's just not possible that you're not, you know, that, but if you just feel they won't, so why reach out? Indeed, they won't. So you really have to check those self-defeating prophecies. It would be great if people could see
1: 30 seconds of their face in social situations mm. and see what they're presenting to the outside world. That would
2: be amazing. Is there a way to do that? That would be so good.
1: I don't I don't know. Um, maybe have lonely people meet each other in a casino and have the pit boss then go and get the film.
2: Okay. They would have to be facing the cameras. <laughs> but, uh, you know, another interesting thing about loneliness, you know, since we, you know, lonely people find these kinds of interactions stressful. Even the casual ones. They did one study where they, lonely people who were housebound and they gave them three... Kinds of visits. They get a visit from a volunteer who came to sit with them and talk with them, a visit from a volunteer who brought a dog, and a visit from just the dog. And then they asked them who they would like to be visited by again. The dog. Of course the dog. Now, the thing is, and I don't know, by the way, if they said to the volunteers, yeah, you know, you came in second to the animal that likes to lick itself and drink out of the toilet. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I hope they didn't. But it's the dog because you're not stressed out about the dog. You're not worried about what will they think of me? What will I have enough to say? What? I, and you are thinking about those things when your relationship muscles are, are weak and rusty. So what is that a way for that person to to ease
1: in or is that just yeah, accept used for it. them
2: except that you need to strengthen those muscles your first few dates are going to be bad okay you know like you know when you go not on that interviews, you should date a
1: dog in the beginning
2: well but then it might be good yeah. but um you know if you're going on job interviews after a very long time go on the the one you care about least first get that out of the way kind of you know get into it a little bit and same thing with the dates go out with the ones you're not that interested in first get some practice what a great idea
1: what a great idea uh, your tools are so helpful, so pragmatic and so simple yes i'm really I'm really glad to have you um as a guest on the on the podcast um, I think the listeners are going to get so much from your your advice and I encourage them to uh to get your book um tools for uh uh, uh, tools for emotional first aid or just, just emotional emotional first, aid. Um, emotional first aid, and your website is
2: guywinch uh, dot com. Uh, any other tools for uh, for dealing with loneliness? I think those are the main ones. I mean, there are a few others in the book, but I really it's it's a leap of faith. You know, you you do it's bravery, it's a leap of faith, and it's a decision like I'm breaking the cycle because you are caught in a cycle. And
1: something else that I would add to it because it has saved my life is trying to imbue my life with a sense of meaning and purpose. And it is impossible, for me at least, and people I know, to get a sense of meaning and purpose without connecting to other
2: human beings. Yes, because actually, you know, it's hard to find that on an island. No, (laughs) I mean, I'm serious. In other words, meaning and purpose is by definition about people. And so that connection is vital. Guy Winch, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you,
1: guy. And uh, we've got three more installments coming up um, in future mini-episodes. The next one will be on failure. Um, Wouldn't it be ironic if I failed to put that one up? Mm. Not really, Paul. Uh, The one on that, uh, after that would be uh, low self-esteem, and then after that, uh, guilt. And I've invited him. To come do more because uh, the feedback we've been getting has been uh, has been really positive, and um, I'm glad you guys glad you guys like them. So I just want to read um, a couple more surveys, and then I'll send you on your way. Then you can put your gabardine jacket back on and uh, go <laughs> go down to the local donut shop. And uh, as Andy Kindler would say, and a third thing. Um. This is from the Shouldn't Feel This Way survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Laura and she's in her 20s. What would you like people to say about you at your funeral? Mostly I would like to hear them recount memories but not of big events that happened in our lives, graduation, weddings, or anything like that, but of small moments like us sitting around and we had a nice conversation and I said something that was memorable or we shared a beer and had a nice time, anything like that. I often think uh, about people in these small moments and things they've said and done, but I'm terribly afraid that people don't think about these kinds of moments about me. Also, this sounds very selfish, but I just want them to keep talking about how much they will miss me, but only sincerely. I constantly feel like if I just completely left people's lives, not necessarily because of death, they would not miss me at all. There's a bit from the film 127 Hours that put it really well. Just after James Franco's character has met two girls who invited him to a party and has left, one of them asks the other whether she thinks he will come to the party. The other girl replies, I don't think we figured in his day at all. That is exactly how I feel all the time. Like I don't figure in people's lives at all. I'd like to see people talk about how much I figured in their lives, even in small ways. How does writing that make you feel? Mostly, it makes me incredibly sad that I won't actually witness any of this, even if it happens. And in real life, I'm too scared to ask people to tell me these things, even though it would probably not be so bad. You know, I can tell you, the friends that I've made as I've started Healing and doing my support groups and all that stuff. I do have those kinds of conversations, and I do try to tell people how much they mean to me and and memories I have of them and moments that I think about. And sometimes when one will come up to me, I'll just text somebody and say, "I'm just thinking about you," or "I'm thinking about that," you know, that time we laughed. Um, and you can have those. You can have those. Um. She writes, I'm supposed to feel loving about my younger brother and want to help him become a better person, but I don't. I feel resentful. Uh, Then, you know, I say, then take a break from it. Uh, I'm supposed to feel all right about not having a boyfriend, but I don't. I feel incredibly lonely and worthless. How does writing that make you feel? It makes me feel a lot better, like I'm finally confronting these feelings. You think you're abnormal for feeling what you do. I know that logically I'm not, but just emotionally and in my head, I feel abnormal every time I think these things. Would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? Much better. Well, take my word for it, Laura. Lots and lots and lots of people feel exactly that same way and I'm sending you a hug. Um, I haven't decided if I'm gonna do it through the post office or UPS though. I've been spending a lot of money sending hugs via UPS and you know what I'm getting resentful at it so fuck you guys you know fuck I just realized there's monthly donors that support this show and they fund that I take my resentment back by the way can I overstate how much I'm hating this bit that I'm doing I cannot but I'm not going to rewind um, this is from the Shame and Secret Survey, and there's just a, a couple of sections of this I wanted to read. This was filled out by a guy who calls himself, may as well be alone. Um, darkest thoughts. I often fantasize about my entire, oh, and he is uh 20. Um, I often fantasize about my entire family and friends circle dying or otherwise leaving me. I've never been seriously abused by my family or friends, but I feel like I may as well have been an orphan who grew up with no friends. I feel like no amount of talking to people, even professionals, could get them to understand the whirlwind of confusing, terrifying, and sometimes life-threatening thoughts that go on in my mind. I feel as if life would be easier if I was a complete loner because suicide and or drug addiction would be much easier for me. I want my life to be short-lived with moments of drug-induced highs before ultimately overdosing and I think it would be best if no one knew me when this happened because then the pain I live with can't be passed on to them. What if anything do you wish for? I wish for a life where I didn't crave love and acceptance so much so much. I wish I didn't care that the people who were once so important to me are no longer a part of my life. I wish I could enter into a coma and wake up five years later and start a completely new life. Um, it breaks my heart that line, I wish for a life where I didn't crave love and acceptance so much. Don't. Don't. That's that's your humanity. That is the part of you that you should try to keep alive because once we stop wanting love and to be seen for who we are um you know that that's that's when life loses its its luster even in my darkest darkest times um i i still ha- have always held on to the to wanting to love people and to and wanting to be loved and i'm i'm grateful for that because sometimes i think that's that's helped keep me alive it's given me something to to kind of reach out for. So I don't, don't try to, don't wish to lose that. Um, Boy, my dogs are really, uh, they're showing up on this episode. They're (laughs) digging the carpet, which is that, is that Ivy or Herbert? Oh, that's Herbert. Herbert's got a cone on his head, by the way. Oh yeah. Dig it up. Why should you be quiet? Why should you be quiet in this 20-minute section I'm recording in. Completely quiet the last four hours, but flick that mic on and oh. (laughs) Have you shared these things with others? I have only told these things to professionals and their response is mostly asking me to think rationally about whether or not my problems would go away if these If these wishes were true, I don't know how to respond to that, but I think they missed the deeper problems that I was trying to convey to them. How do you feel after writing these things down? Like there's a lump in my throat. Like I'm stuck in this mindset, but I also feel hopeful that maybe one day I'll meet someone who can love and accept me for thinking these things. I could tell you there's a gazillion people out there that would love and accept you for thinking those things. And... sounds cliche, but I, I, I hope you can get to a place where you, you love yourself and then you get into a relationship and, and you got love to give to that person as opposed to trying to love yourself through them because that can be kind of a dead end. Oh, I know, Herbert. This is all very exciting. He's, he's been having hot spots on his ass and he doesn't care for it. That's why he's got the cone. Oh, yeah. I'll be done in a minute. He's fucking looking at me. This is, uh, Herbert. Can can I read one more survey? (laughs) I'm going to read one more survey. I don't care what he says. Hey. He's giving me the stink eye. This is from the happy moment survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Miles O'Pain. And, uh, this is the happy moment survey, and he writes, I am a recently uh, divorced 41-year-old dad who has also been financially destroyed. For financial and child care reasons, I share two small bedrooms, um, two bedrooms. I share a two bed. Herbert, you're fucking me up, buddy. I'm, ki- I'm Should I kick him out of the room? For financial and childcare reasons, I shared a two-bedroom trailer with my parents. One weekend, when my kids were here with me, I was laying in the bottom bunk I share with my six-year-old son. My insomnia and depression were battling it out. I stared at the bunk bed above me, unable to stop the tears or the thoughts that I couldn't go on. My son shimmied down the ladder from the top bunk and hopped in bed with me. He put his arms around me and said, I love you, Daddy. I was so elated to hear my son say those words I wasn't the least bit disappointed when his next words were can I play angry birds <laughs> that's awesome thank you for that miles and thank you guys for uh for listening and uh, I hope you know that you're you're not alone and loneliness is a is a motherfucker um I think ben franklin said that all right see you see you friday